welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. We are in the midst of a series. It's called I Resolve. We started last year with a series called I Resolve, and we're starting this year with a series called I Resolve because the start of the year is a season when people make resolutions. You've probably made some yourself already. You've maybe made goals, uh, resolutions pertaining to your weight or fitness or finances or something, but it is something that people do at the start of the year, tend to look forward and say, I want things to change this year. And so we thought, well, yeah, let's, let's get on that bandwagon. It's not a bad idea to start the year with some goals for change and change for the better. And so we've, uh, so far this week, this year, We've looked at a few things in our I Resolve series. We started off, Tone spoke about hope in a message entitled, I Resolve to Look Up. And I challenge every one of us, no matter what comes at us in our life and circumstance, to keep looking up, keep looking to God and you will get through. I followed that with a message called, I Resolve to Warm Up. And we spoke about hospitality and the need to be welcoming in the church and in our lives in general. Last week, Says spoke a message called, I resolve to give up, which is just like says. (laughs) No, it was a great message. It was an awesome message about living a surrendered life. And I would encourage you to to listen to to iTunes if you haven't done that or download it off our website and have a listen to these messages that have gone before. And today we're going to continue with a message that I've entitled, I resolve to stand up. I resolve to... To stand up. Now, what do I mean by standing up? I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious, I think, but I'm not just talking about standing, as in sitting down and then standing. It's obvious. But standing, what I'm talking about here is being proactive in life, not passive. We're talking about positioning in ourselves in a way that it's obvious to all and sundry, those that look on, what we believe. What are we in support of? What are we not in support of? Because of the way that we stand. We should be about positive change, and our lives should show that. You know, many people live with their lives, you know, sort of heads down, trying to just go with the flow, trying not to be noticed, just to blend in, you know, to keep from rocking the boat. But as Christians, that is not how we're called to live. We are called to stand up. Stand up's about challenging the status quo. And this could be, I guess, just at a personal level. There may be things that that you need to stand up in your own life pertaining to you. You know, maybe there's some attitudes you've adopted. You need to stand up firm against those attitudes. Maybe there's some things that you do. Maybe there's some habits that have crept into your life and you need to stand up this year and see those things put down. But maybe it's within your your family or your sphere of influence, your friends. Maybe in our society, in our community, in our nation, there are some things that we can stand up for. And later on this year, there's going to be an an election taking place. And I would encourage every believer to stand up and be heard, make a choice based on the Word of God. There's many different realms at which we need to stand up this year. And I want us to think about some of those things this morning. So many people, I guess, like to fly under the radar and don't necessarily like to stand up because of some of the flack that can come our way when we do. But often, you've got the other side of the coin where lots of people do stand up. And there's a whole bunch of standing up going around the world, but at the same time, there's a whole lot of wasted energy. Because it's not just about standing up, it's about what are we standing up for? 
You know, some people are standing up just simply for the wrong things. I was reading this morning in Luke chapter 13, just part of devotional reading, and, and um, Jesus heals a lady. Uh, interestingly, just, it's mentioned that it was actually a spiritual condition, but long and short is a lady had been bent over for 18 years. Jesus sets her free, and she's able to stand up literally. But then one of the Pharisees stands up and says, you shouldn't be doing that on a Sabbath. There are six days to do good works, you know, and he gets, he totally misses the point. He stands up, but he gets it totally wrong. And there are many people in our world today who are standing up for all sorts of crazy stuff. There's a right time and a wrong time to stand up. And many people might stand up for something that's good and worth standing up for, but the timing is all wrong. And so therefore they're wasting their energy again. And people also waste their energy when they choose to stand up. Excuse me, I'm spitting everywhere here. Sorry, guys. But they stand up in the wrong way. And so I want to have a look at some of these things this morning. Because we're not here as believers in Jesus Christ and followers of Him to waste our time on petty issues. We're not here to waste our time on small and selfish agendas. In case you're not aware, we are called to something which is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Not the Passive commission or the mediocre commission or the average commission or the selfish commission, but the great commission. One that Jesus initially laid his life down for and then many in history since have also seen it fit to lay down their life for because it's a great commission. It's not a we'll see how we go commission. It's not a maybe commission, but it's a great commission that we're called to stand up in and for. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus spoke to his followers about being salt and light. And both of these things are obvious when they're present. And as Christians, we are called to be obvious when we're present. Both of these things, their, igni- their impact is significant when it's pregnant pre- and they're present. There's a big difference between darkness and light. You might have a dark room. You bring some light in there, there's a significant and immediate impact on the situation. It exposes hidden dangers. It can bring direction into people's lives. It can bring us sight and help us to see more clearly and therefore to make good decisions, etc. And as believers, that is part of what we are called to be, light in the earth. But at the same time, we're called to be salt. And salt preserves. I remember as a young boy, we used to go fishing a lot. And I, I remember being caught up on these. Before we'd go fishing, there'd be preparation for fishing. And uh, my, my um, uncle and auntie, I guess you'd call them, and not, not blood uncle and auntie, but that's what we used to call them. And we'd go, they'd go catch all these cockles, and, and then we'd get them, and we'd have to preserve them. Okay, so they'd uh, take all the cockle shells off, and they'd put them in jars, and you put a layer of salt in there, you put more in there, you put more salt in there, and you'd pickle the cockles. And the point is that salt preserves. And we are called to preserve, be a preservative in our society. We are called to stop the decay that would otherwise go on around about us. We're called to add the flavour and bring the seasoning into life, if you like. And this is what we're called to do. You don't have salt that's not obvious. Jesus said if it's not obvious, it gets thrown out, it's useless. And again, in the same way, light cannot be Not obvious. So we're not called to keep a low profile, as I've said. 
and just let things take their course. But we're called ultimately to be change agents. We're called to stand up and to declare, and not just declare, but to demonstrate a better way. And so I just want to talk briefly this morning about three things that I think we need to consider regarding standing up. And I've alluded to them already. But the first thing is what to stand for. In other words, don't waste your stand. There's a stand in all of us. And if we look you know, across the lives of people in this room or across the world, jump on the internet, you'll see there are all sorts of stands being made. And some of those stands come out of different things. Some stands just come out of boredom, it seems. Other stands come out of selfishness or impatience or frustration. There's a whole thing, a bunch of things that cause people to stand up. But I want us to count. I want us to be intentional about what we stand for. I want us to have significant stands. I don't know if you read the paper just this week, but you know, there's a, a group of people who are standing up for the rights of lobsters. <laughs> They're arguing that lobsters can feel pain and someone should do something about that. It's not fair to just throw them in boiling water because they feel the pain, in fact, possibly more than you or I do. And so there's a, a lobster lobby group. <laughs> you know, there are people that stand up for the ethical treatment of plants in case they can feel pain. Now, some of this stuff, I'm just thinking, you guys have got way too much time on your hands. If you cannot look at the world and find better causes for that. I mean, if all of our problems were solved, we'll maybe worry about the lobsters, maybe worry about the plants. And I'm not anti-animals and plants. Went to the zoo this week. It was awesome. Loved it. But, you know, really, I think there are probably more pressing issues on the planet to stand up for today. Some people make it their mission to stand up against those they don't like or don't agree with. And, you know, we see all sorts of websites and articles and petitions and things devoted to tearing people down. Maybe, you know, superstars like Lance Armstrong or maybe politicians. And there are, you know, even you and I as Christians, there is tons of hate stuff out there against us. Many people have devoted themselves to trying to undermine Christianity, undermine our faith and draw our credibility into question. It's a stand, but <clears throat> what sort of stand is that really? When you put these things in the backdrop of eternity, when you line them up with the revealed will of God, and you consider the amount of time, effort, energy, money that goes into that thing, is it a worthy thing to stand up for? On the other side, as Christians, many people stand up for things. And sadly, you know, the church, we mentioned this a little while ago, we talked about God being a yes God, but sadly the church, and by default Jesus and God, are defined by what we're standing up against. You know, people think about the church and they think, you know, they're the people that stand up against loud music. They're the people that stand up against certain types of clothing. They're the people that are against abortion. They're the people that are against euthanasia. They're the people that are against fun. They're the people that are against this and that and everything else. And so again, I think the problem is that we as the representatives of Jesus, just because we stand up for something that we feel has a biblical connection somewhere, doesn't make it right necessarily. It doesn't mean that we're representing God well when we make some, some, some of the stands that we do. I think we need to think about what we're standing for and make a choice to stand up in a spirit of love, a spirit of grace in the areas that really matter. Not issues that make us appear small-minded and bigoted 
and hateful and against people. Because many Christians are making all sorts of stands across the world today, but I think in the bigger picture, it's just a waste of time. God has left the room, doesn't want to be associated with some of the stuff that goes on in his name. So what are some things worth standing for as believers? What are some things that we can, we can confidently hold on to and stand up for? Well, the first thing is Jesus himself. Not that Jesus is a thing, but you know what I'm saying? The first point I've got here is we need to stand up for Jesus. It's quite obvious. Mark chapter 8, verse 38 says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. In other words, if you stand up for me now, I will stand up for you then. When we stand before the judgment seat of God, Jesus will be our advocate. He will stand up for us. You may have seen it or heard it said or the question asked. If you are called to account for being a Christian, if you were put on trial for your faith, would there be enough evidence to get a conviction? The general tone of your life. Would a lawyer have an easy or a hard job trying to defend you against the charge of being a Christian? Would it be a walk in the park? Or would it be impossible to get you off because of the way that you've lived your life, standing up for Jesus? The second issue is the issue of truth. In fact, Jesus is the truth, so it's quite obvious that this would be another thing that we need to stand up for. But in an age where really there's so much flattery, there's so much half-truth, there's so much spin, there's so much advertising hype that you and I as believers need to be able to discern and to discover what the truth is. And then we need to be able to deliver that truth. And we need to be able to demonstrate and stand up and show what truth looks like. We need to ultimately be able to connect people to eternal truth, which can be a bit ethereal and disconnected from where they perceive they are, and help bring that into their everyday living. And it happens as, we, as we're able to recognise what's really going on, and we're able to communicate it well and to demonstrate it at the same time. Because if we can do that, the truth will bring freedom. The truth will bring protection for people, and it will help to bring direction into their lives. So Christians need to stand up for truth. And we need to stand up for righteousness. Now that's a bit of a Christianese sort of word, I know. But when we're talking about righteousness, we're just talking about what is good, what is just, what is fair, what is right. And that's what we're called to stand up for in business. Stand up for what is right. Everyone else might be conducting themselves in a certain manner. Everyone else might have a certain process or, or approach to doing the finances and what they declare and what they don't declare. But stand up for what is right as a believer. Stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8 and 9, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of those who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. De defend the rights of the poor and needy. Don't ignore justice. Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1, it says, If a person sins because he does not speak up, when he hears a public charge to testify regarding something that he has seen or learned about, he will be held responsible. In other words, God expects us to stand up, not just turn a blind eye because of fear or convenience or bribes or whatever else, but to walk in an upright manner and to ensure that as much as it depends on us, that we live righteously and we promote righteousness. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Okay, so these are some things worth standing up for, just broad brushstroke things. But if you think about those, and you can break them down in different areas in your life, and ask, is this about Jesus? Can I stand up for Jesus in this situation? What's the truth of what's really going on here? And is it right? The second thing is not just what do we stand up for, but when do we stand? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 just says there's a time to, stand, uh, to tear and a time to mend. There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now, it would be really obvious if those times were spelled out for us. It would be really easy. It would be much more convenient. But the challenge of life is that it's not always easy, is it? To know what the right times are. Often we're just too slow to stand up when we're called to stand. And we end up living with regret. Again, I'm, many of you know I like cycling, and so I've obviously had a bit of an ear out and been watching and listening and reading to the things about Lance Armstrong at the moment. But one of the things that he said just yesterday, as revealed on Oprah, was that he wishes he'd listened to his wife. His wife had told him, his ex-wife, Kristen, who was a Christian, had said to him many times, the truth will set you free. But he continued to live in a lie, and now it's come out and it's bitten him big time. He had the opportunity to stand up and be open and honest many times, and, and people wouldn't have doubted his sincerity, his honesty, but now it's kind of like, is he sorry or is he sorry that he got caught? There was a time to stand, but he was too slow. Looking at the world stage in a bigger way, prior to World War II, there was an opportunity to stand. The church in Germany had an opportunity to stand up against some of the things that were going on that Hitler was promoting. But because of, I guess, nationalistic pride, because of some of the benefits that they got as, as Hitler began to round up and get rid of and sideline certain people groups, there were benefits that would come back. And so it's like, do I stand up for what is right or do I stand up for my business and the fact that my business is increasing? There's all these sort of challenges that were facing individual Christians. And the reality is they didn't stand up and the nation was ripped out from under them. At the same time, it wasn't all about the German Christians, but at the same time, the British and the Americans and the French and everyone else was looking on as Hitler began to get more and more power and he, and he violated the, the um, ban on creating an army and weapons and all that, sort of, and, they, and they stood back because they didn't, didn't want to rock the boat. They'd already been through the war to end all wars. And so you can understand they were reticent to do something. And so they ended up doing virtually nothing. And so Hitler annexed Austria, and then he annexed Czechoslovakia and divided, that was divided up. And the whole time, those who didn't affect immediately and, and there and then we said, oh, well, it's, it's only Austria, it's only Czechoslovakia, it's only the Jews, it's only Poland, we'd better do something now. But it was too late and was, the result was five, six years of carnage. When Ephedra stood up earlier on in the peace, the moment he began to assemble an army and said, no, that's not right, that is, you, are, you are banned from doing that. Because they were after the First World War, the Versailles Treaty, I think it was, they weren't allowed, Germany wasn't allowed to rebuild itself in that manner. And again, it's complicated. I'm not here just to throw stones. You know, but, but Neville Chamberlain was, was famous for, for 
wanting to do nothing and just wanting to appease Hitler in the hope that you know, enough would be enough. But of course, when you're dealing with something like that, enough is never enough. The more you give, the more they want. And ultimately, it took a guy like this, Winston Churchill. <laughs> the whole time he was saying, no, we've got to stop. We've got to stop this guy. He's a madman. He's crazy. He will not be appeased. This will end in war. And people were saying that right throughout the 30s. But because of what had gone before, people didn't want to make a stand. And so it's easy to be too slow to make a stand. And many are too slow to make a stand because of the, the cost, the ramifications, the potential fallout. Others, on the other hand, are too quick to make a stand. There are often people who are just too happy to go to war, whether that be literal war, or whether it be a figurative war with their wife, their husband, their neighbours, their kids. Just too happy to step in and take a stand and tell them what for and show them what for. The way that we live, the way that we react and interact with other people, the things that we approve of and don't approve of, the things we like and don't like, etc. These things consistently lived out by the full church would make a massive difference in the tone of our society. It would actually prevent a lot of the stuff we end up having to panic about and a lot of the backpedalling that we have to do. If we live as hypocrites, if we don't think about Jesus, if we don't think about what is true and what is right, and we get on doing our own merry thing, making money, having the relationships we want to have and all that sort of stuff, and then suddenly there's an issue on the table like abortion or agenda or marriage or some of those things which are, you know, at the end of the day, they're important issues. But if then we just put put our hands up and, and, you know, get all thingy about it, it's no wonder the world looks on and thinks, what are you guys on about? Let's live in a manner that demonstrates what's important to us all the time rather than just get caught out. The second thing is remember that there's a time to be silent and a time to speak as I've already read this morning. Proverbs chapter 27 is a a great little verse. Uh, Verse 14, it just says, if a man loudly blesses his neighbour early in the morning, it'll be taken as a curse. If, imagine you just, you know, in the, in the morning, you just get up early and you're all well with the world. You've, got the, you know, you've been out for a little walk around the block and you come back, you're feeling awesome. The birds have been singing, the sky is blue, you saw a great sun. And so you just want to shout over the fence, hey, mate, how you doing? It's an awesome day out here. Have a brilliant... And your neighbour's just been working night shift. It's taken as a curse. Your motives, your intentions are pure, but your wisdom is lacking. And so... A good deed done in bad timing turns bad. So we need to think about the timing, some, some considerations regarding those timing. Is how urgent or important is this thing? Do I need to stand up now? You know, there's an article in the paper a few, probably a year or so ago now, but there was a lady catching a train home and she was appalled. She was a, she was a journalist, but she was appalled at the fact that there was this poor girl sitting on a train and there was a guy who was possibly under the influence of alcohol or drugs or something, but he was being very lewd, crude and rude. And he had his hands all over this girl and no one did anything. They all just sat there. And in the end, she stepped in and she says, what do you think you're doing, mate? There was a time to act then. There was a time to act. You know, for those that are at school, if people that are disadvantaged in any way, shape or form are being bullied, it's a time to act. You can do something there and then about that. But not every situation you can just barrel in and do something there and then. We need to weigh it up. What's going to happen? Is it likely to turn out better or worse if I do something now? 
Sometimes it's likely to turn out worse if we do it now. Sometimes it has to be done now. Let's think. And if, we need, if it's going to get worse, let's act now. Let's not let it get worse. The second thing is like, what's your likelihood of success? Will waiting a little while improve your chance of success? Because if it will, maybe it's worth waiting. What's your credibility like with regards to this particular situation? You might need to feel like, I need to stand up and tell that guy he is being a pig to his wife. That's fine. That's, that's worth standing up for. But if you don't know this guy from a bar of soap, you might get a punch in the head. <laughs> maybe a bit of time to build a bit of credibility in this person's life would see the stance be far more effective. You can't drive a 10-ton truck over a one-ton bridge. Okay, it's about credibility. And again, I think sadly, for, for, you know, the, the reason the world doesn't listen to the church the way it could or should is because often they, we just don't have credibility in their eyes. You know, we, we claim to have all these high moral standards and these things sort of going on, but when they look at Christians across the board, they're thinking, hypocrite, you know, their life's no better than mine, they're backstabbing, they're gossips, they're this and and, and so our credibility is low. We need to build our credibility by what we do, how we live. The second thing, beyond your credibility, is what about their receptivity? Are they ready for our stand? Is our stand going to do more harm than good? You know, the Bible talks about, you know, if we speak to a fool, they'll end up scorning us. Jesus spoke about not throwing our pearls before pigs. And again, that's not having, that, having a go at people in that, but I'm just saying that you know, we need to try and weigh up. How receptive is this person? Are they just so caught up in doing their own thing? Are they so, so caught up in their immorality? Are they so caught up in their money-making? Are they so caught up in this or that, whatever th- other things they're involved in, that they're not likely to listen to us right now? Well, Jesus said, don't waste your time. Because a time will come. There's a time for everything under heaven. And so again, you know, a person might not be ready to hear what you've got to say, about their marriage right now, it might take their partner to walk out. But then they'll be ready to listen. So timing is everything. Well, hopefully they will. And your level of preparedness. Sometimes it's better just to regroup. And you might say, well, I know it's wrong. And if I stop it, if I tread in that guy's life and I stand up and I say, mate, you'd better stop that because the Bible says. That's truth and that's fair enough. And you know, you could argue that, yep, just the Bible says it is good enough. But if that person doesn't believe the Bible, if that person doesn't know you from Adam, if that person just thinks you're a fruitcake, there's a good chance it's not helpful. But if you were to go away and to prepare yourself, and think, okay, God says that he would, that this course of action is far better than this course of action. Why would God possibly do that? Is it because he wants to ruin people's fun? I don't think so because he's a loving father and he, he loves to give good gifts to his people. Okay, so it's probably not that. Okay, what are the ramifications of this course of action versus this course of action. And so, you know, it could be the whole sex before marriage thing. And so you can think about, okay, well, you know, you've got these young people who are just embarking on a relationship. You want to set them up for the right, for, you know, in the right way. So you could talk to them about some of, the, some of the issues they will face if they choose to go their own way versus God's way. Just take a bit of time to think something through, to prepare yourself so that you can present a reasoned, logical, coherent argument for people. That gives them something to think about instead of just, oh, well, you know, I don't believe in God anyway, so why should I listen? So, timing is important, and thirdly, how we stand is all important. 
Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everybody. In Romans chapter 12, I won't read the whole scripture, verse, I think it's about 18 or thereabouts. It says, As much as it depends on you, if it's possible, live at peace with everyone. So there are things that we can do in terms of our stand and how effective it will be or is likely to be. Again, if we want to make a stand about marriage, well, let's, let's let it start at home. Let's have good marriages at home. And then people are more likely to listen to our, what we've got to say about marriage. If we want to make a stand in purity, let's be pure. If we want to make a stand about integrity in business, well, let's be integrous in business. Far more likely to get people to listen to us. It's going to build credibility. Let's speak graciously to people. You know, some people's aim is just to stand up. I don't think our aim should be to stand up because we recognise standing up is a good thing to do. Our aim should be to be effective in standing up. Ultimately, if something is worth standing up for, it's because it is, it needs, there's some change that needs to take place. And our goal should be, therefore, to connect with others rather than alienate them. And I think, sadly, again, the church has been great at alienating those who are actually here to help because of the way that we've stood up. You know, I guess there's an example in our paper quite regularly, you know, there's some guys that are in the name of Jesus standing up and saying some things and doing some things in our city. Now, again, are they doing the right thing? Are they standing for Jesus? Yes. Are they speaking truth? Yes. But it's the way it's done, I think, that probably is harmful. Because I think about, you know, this church, if you look around this church, there's a reasonable amount of people here right now that have that have been influenced by the stand that Tone and Kath and myself and Sally and you know, 13 of us made about 19 years ago. Because we tried to connect with people rather than alienate people. We could have done that. We could have said, well, you know, we've got to speak the truth and we see in the Bible that you know, the, the prophets just stood up and let everyone have it. Um, you know, and on the day of Pentecost, you know, Peter stood up and he let people have it and 3,000 people got saved. We can, we can do that. Or we can look at the circumstances that they were speaking into and say, hang on, those circumstances are a little bit different than our circumstances. Circumstance on the day of Pentecost, prior to that, Jesus ministering in the flesh for three years. There was a level of expectation. There was a, there was a spiritual, um, uh, you know, people on spiritual tenterhooks in a sense. There was a receptivity because of what Jesus had done and what had gone before. Then the Holy Spirit had fallen and there was things happening in Jerusalem. And so you would expect a result at that point. It's a little bit different than some poor guy just been chewed out by the boss, just wants to get home from work and suddenly he's got some guy in his face telling him he's going to go to hell if he doesn't accept Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. You know, so there's a difference there. And I think we should be smart enough to discern that difference and loving enough to discern that difference and clever enough to work out what we can actually do to try and bridge the gap. And again, that's why we as a church do many of the things we do. It's about connection. It's about credibility. We recognize we've got, a, we've got a weighty message. And many people aren't ready for that message. And so we want to build connection with people. We want to help them to understand who we are. And we want to see that the general tone of our life is loving. It's accepting. It's sane. It's all of those things. In order that when they ultimately hit their rough patch, or they ultimately get to that point where the Holy Spirit is challenging and questioning about the things of life and the things of God, that we're going to be the port of call they come to and ask. Does that make sense? Excellent. So we need to do it by example. We need to do it graciously. We need to do it prayerfully. Again, when do we act? How do we act? What do we say? Well, there's a level of that which you can work out 
intellectually, but at the end of the day, we're not called to be just people of our mind, but we're called to be people of the Spirit. And so we cannot do this on our own. We need to be asking God for help when it's time to stand. When things are frustrating us, when things aren't right, and we know that there needs to be some intervention, we need to ask God to help us with the when and with the how and with the what. Okay? We need to do it practically. Again, as Christians living in this nation today, there are so many opportunities for us to make an impact, to have a difference, to make a difference to our society. You know, the fact that we are not under a dictatorship, but we actually have an opportunity to vote, which I mentioned earlier, let's use our vote wisely. Let's not just vote with this party or that party because mum and dad have done that and the grandparents did that. And, you know, let's think about the issues. Let's think about the person that is standing in our electorate. Are they the type of person that you would want representing you in terms of their, their, their moral fibre, in terms of their beliefs? Now, you're not always going to have an ideal candidate, but sometimes it's a matter of just going for the lesser of two evils. But at least let's think about it. Let's put our mind to it in order that as much as it depends on us, we can have a, a, a country that is reflective of God's will through its legislation and those that are making decisions. You know, maybe it's about standing up when there's, when there's key things. You know, at the moment, there's things like abortion and oh, euthanasia is one of the things that's on the table at the moment. Now, again, as Christians, we should, I think all of us, we don't have to read too far in the Bible to understand that there's a, there's a value, a sanctity of life that God places on humanity that is far greater than that he places on lobsters and plants and whales, as wonderful as these things are. And so therefore, as Christians, when it comes to voting, when it comes to issues that, that impact us, we should stand up, not on the basis of what you know, my preference might be or what I stand to gain, but what is right? What does God say about this? And do within all that's within our power to actually do, to make change for the better. Maybe it's about practical help. What's within our power to do? What, how can we stand up and help people that are struggling? And just to do these things consistently... Again, I think you know, the, 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 you know, we all live busy lives and it's just so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life that we kind of do things in fits and starts. But let's just determine this year to make a consistent stand for Jesus. Let's make a consistent stand to be aware of what is truth and what is lies and to go with truth. And let's make a consistent stand to try and work out what is right and to go with what is right over and above what is wrong. You've probably all heard the saying that evil prevails when good people do nothing. That's quite challenging. But the flip side of it is, what about when good people do something? What about if every believer, not just in this church, but in every church meeting this morning across our city, and in every church meeting this morning across our nation, and every Christian in every church meeting, whether they meet on Saturdays or Sundays or whether they meet on Fridays because they're in Muslim countries or whatever, what if every one of us would stand up for Jesus consistently? What if every one of us was, I've had enough with the lies and the half-truths and the spins. Let's get back to honesty. Let's get back to integrity. Let's get back to saying what you mean and meaning what you say. What if it come back to doing what is right? To standing up for justice, to protecting life, to looking after those who can't look after themselves. What if, imagine that across the world. Not just fits and starts of one believer here and one believer, but the church arising and standing.
I think the world could look a little bit, little bit different, don't you? So are you standing for Jesus today? Or are you undercover? Are you like a chameleon Christian that's able to blend in wherever and just kind of keep a low profile? I want you this year to make a decision to stand up. Not get in people's face, try and get the biggest Bible you can and shove it down their throat, not that. But just to stand up and just be more open with others about your faith. If you've never admitted to going to church on Sunday, maybe start there. Talk about why you believe what you believe. Talk about the benefits of church life. Talk about the privilege of this family that is the church, the great people here. That's a start. It all ultimately comes back and gives glory to Jesus. Are you standing with truth or for truth? Or are you comfortable with lies and deception? Do people really know what you think and why? Or are you the type of person that agrees with everyone about everything? So for this person, it seems like you believe that. For that person, it seems like you believe that. Let's just nail our colours to the mast. Let's be honest this year. Are you standing for what is right or do you allow injustice to go unchecked? What's within our power to do something about? Like I said, it might be bullying at school. It might be, you know, we see some parents making dumb decisions at the expense of their kids. Maybe we're in a position to step in and stand up and say something and see a change for the better. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.